Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages on the book of Zechariah were recorded in Malaysia a number of years ago. Be sure to get a copy of Kevin's newly released commentaries on the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations, the book of Ezekiel, and the Minor Prophets. Available in paperback and ebook formats from Amazon.com and as immediate PDF downloads from kevinconnor.org forward slash shop. Controversial uh, stuff I'm on, and instead of going through, which I've been doing pretty much chapter by chapter, I want to sort of cover the themes uh, from chapter, say, uh, uh, well, I've done sort of a messianic part. I want to sort of do 9 through to 14, particularly on two things uh, the, the quote unquote the Israeli situation. Uh, just submit some thoughts to you, and then uh, after after lunch we're going to look at a lot about Jerusalem, praying, praying for the peace of Jerusalem, and so forth. So uh, please look after me. <laughs> okay. Now, what I want you to do here is uh, want you to go over to Zechariah. And uh, you probably just have this on ordinary notes because uh, it's, it's not in the text. I thought it was safer <laughs> to leave it out. I want you to go to Zechariah chapter chapter 12, I think is the one I'm after. Okay, chapter 12, yeah, it is chapter 12. So Zechariah chapter 12, and I'd like to read a few verses here, and uh, pick up particularly uh, from verse 10 here. We'll, 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 we'll commence with verse 12, and then go on here. I'd just like to read the word to you and then uh, make my comments here. So uh, it starts off with the burden of the word of the Lord. I think some of the translations refer to it as the oracle, the prophecy. So burden of the word of the Lord. And notice it's not uh, for Israel or to Israel. It's the burden of the word, word of the Lord against Israel. For Israel, against Israel. Thus says the Lord God, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness, a cup of uh, trembling to all the surrounding peoples, all the surrounding nations, uh, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Now notice this has all happened, uh, you know, I mean, Jerusalem's being rebuilt in the time. So in, in these chapters, these uh, uh, prophetic messianic chapters, uh, you'll notice we don't have the dates. It's just like, uh, the first section, chapters 1 through to 6, have been the messianic visions or different types of vision. Chapter 7 and 8, particularly on the fast, becoming feasts and the things that the Lord requires. Chapter 9 on, uh, uh, just an intermingling of messianic prophecies, which we've looked at, and national prophecies and uh, prophecies concerning the nation of Israel. All right, so uh, in verse uh, 3 again, uh, in that day... 
I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people who burden themselves with it. Uh, shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, says the Lord, I will smite every house with a uh, horse with astonishment, and his rider with madness, and I'll open my eyes upon the house of Judah, and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. Governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord uh, of hosts their God. In that day, will I make the governors of Judah like a, uh, a hearth, is that right? Fire pan, okay. I better go to New King James. Like a fire pan in the wood pile, and like a fiery torch in the sheaves, they shall devour all the surrounding peoples on the right hand and on the left. But Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, Jerusalem. The Lord will say to the tents of Judah first, so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall not become greater than that of Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God, like the angels of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day. Uh, you'll notice the emphasis all the way through in that day, in that day, in that day, pointing to some particular day. I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look on me whom they pierce. Yeah, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad women in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of Shimei by itself, and their wives by themselves, all the families that remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. Now, what I want to do here, I want to sort of bring some of the things of, of Daniel and, and, uh, and um, uh, Zechariah together, because they're both in sort of period of time, uh, under the reign of Darius and so forth, and yet leaping way down to the end time. So, for the title of what I'm sharing, here, and I'm not going through chapter by chapter, but pick out the main thing. I want you to just put on your notes there, on your blank sheet of paper, the present state of Jewry. Now, as I said, it's a very controversial area, and I get people who get mad at me over the thing and say, well, you're anti-Semitic, you're anti-something. I said, look, I'm not anti-anybody, but I just think I understand the word a little bit more on this area. So, this is what I want you to do here, and uh, fill in our diagram here. So, title of what I'm sharing with you here in this controversial area, and I would just recommend wisdom that you share these things with, uh, you know, people get mad about it, but just say, hang on a minute, so present state of Jewry, present state of uh, Israel or Jewry, if you like, you can put uh, uh, either one, present state of Jewry, and I want to superimpose what I'm going to share with you just on just this whole dispensation. So, okay, we go back here to, uh, say, the first coming of Christ. So we'll get the big picture here. First coming of Christ. And uh, all what we just looked at in the previous session. And then we'll put down here the three and a half years of Christ's ministry. So we have from Jordan... I'll just take this a little bit slower here. So from Jordan through to Calvary, the cross. So 70 weeks are determined upon your people and your holy city. So the 70-week prophecy, more particularly, 
Only indirectly it affects us, but more particularly concerns Judah and Jerusalem. So half a week here, and so you can put down here Judah and Jerusalem. So bringing uh, Zechariah and Daniel together here. So Judah and Jerusalem, let's abbreviate that. And then we have, uh, right through here to the end of the age, we have the uh, Feast of Passover. So you can put over here Calvary with the fulfillment of the Feast of Passover. Uh, now someone was just asking a good question in our break here. And it's good just to keep uh, this in mind because it has to do with hermeneutics. All that was under the Old Testament on Passover, uh, uh, Pentecost, Tabernacles, question involved, what about the Feast of Tabernacles and Zechariah, which would take me a whole session on that I have dealt with it very fully in the Feast of the Lord. So all the ceremonial elements of Passover, Pentecost, you know, the sacrifices, the, uh, the Temple of the Lord, Tabernacle of the Lord, all the ritual things were fulfilled and abolished at the cross. So the issue is how can you take the literal elements of the Feast of Tabernacles and pose it on us here? These have to, Christ is my Passover. It's in a person, not in a place. Holy Spirit is my Pentecost. Amen? Not in a, it's in a person, not in a place. So nobody, uh, no Christian keeps the Feast of Passover today in literal sense. We'd have to have a temple, we'd have to have animal sacrifice, we'd have to sacrifice a lamb, we'd have to do that. We kept Pentecost, literally as under the Old Testament, we'd have to have temple, animal sacrifices, ironic priests, and all that. All the ceremonialism of it is passed away in the reality. Can we say amen? amen. Now, why do people say, now, we're going to keep the Feast of Tabernacles from Zechariah 14, Okay, you could not do it like it is in Zechariah. You have to say, oh, that's the Zechariah's generations right through to Christ. And so you'd have to have animal sacrifices, a rebuilt temple, erotic priesthood, circumcision, uh, the pots, uh, the bowls, and the altar. All those things are mentioned in the Feast of Tabernacles in Zechariah. Well, where is it today? See? These things are fulfilled in Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So that, that's a whole session itself here. Uh, okay, so three and a half years Passover. And then uh, after that, we have the Feast of Pentecost, birthday of the church. And under this period of time, thousands come to the Lord, 3,000, 5,000 multitudes of men and women, uh, the Jewish first fruits. Now, in this period of time, we have the church age, church era, dispensation of the Holy Spirit, as that was called, all for the 70 prophecy, the overspreading of abominations. Now, way down to this end of the age where we believe we see the last half of the 70th week, three and a half years, and then Christ's second coming at the end here, so his second coming, and then uh, I just put here CN, what I call Christian millennium. Okay, that's the view I hold. All right, now, let's look at this, and what I want you to do here is I want you to put... Um, we're going to look at um, six, uh, let's see what my notes is, at the silverfish haven't eaten them. Oh, the wind blew them away. I want you to put six things here that are the present state of Jews. So number one, I'm not going to put them on the board, I'll save them for you to take down. So six things, the present state of Jews. So now, Christ came to his own, he, his own received him not, but to as many as did receive him, to them he gave power to become the children of God. 
They've got to remember that. Christ came to his own came. Judah and Jerusalem, Christ came to his own. He did not come to the Gentile. came to his own. So he came unto his own. His own received him not. But to those that did, did receive him, he gave power to become the children of God. So under Passover, Pentecost, we see the 120, we see 3,000, 5,000, multitudes of men and women. So the early church, first of all, was basically a Jewish church. Jews, then the Jewish church, okay? Right, that's the picture we have there. Now, let's turn over to uh, Romans chapter 1, just before I start working through these six things here. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Uh, I realize that uh, we probably come from different backgrounds and different understanding, but uh, let's just see where we uh, conclude uh, when we finish this part. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And Paul says, Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. What's the next part say? To the Jew first. Okay, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, gospel power of God's salvation. To the Jew first. So he came unto his own. So to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Uh, for therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Go over to chapter 2. Where most people say, well, the gospel's got to go to the Jew first, it's to the Jew first, we've got to forget the Gentiles. Well, just hang on a minute, let's be consistent. So Romans 2 and uh, verse 4 to 9. Paul is writing here in this chapter, particularly more to the Jew uh, in Rome, and he says, Or despise, oh, verse, uh, verse 3, I better pick up. Uh, and do you think this, O man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his uh, goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you were treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life, to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also of the Greek. So you just can't take chapter 1 verse 16 to the Jew first then to the Greek, Without Romans 2, verse 9, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, to the Jew first, and also the Gentile. So you can't have one without the other. Now, put down, and we won't turn to these except a couple of scriptures, Acts chapter 13, Acts 13. Now in the book of Acts we find uh, this mentioned a number of times because of this principle. So got to keep in mind John's gospel, he came unto his own. So the prophecy, Judah and Jerusalem and uh, Messiah coming to his own. So Acts chapter 13 and verse 5, uh, when they sent out from the church at Antioch, and we're told, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They had John to their minister. So to the Jews... Uh, verse 15 of the same chapter, and after the reading of the law and the prophets, 
uh, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them and asked them, did they have anything to say? Chapter four, uh, chapter 17, chapter 17 and verse uh, 1, chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they passed through Amphipolis and uh, Apollo, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where it was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. Three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures to the Jew first. And verse 17, the same chapter. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. Chapter 18, verse 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed of the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 8. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Christians believed. All right, so the main thing I want is this, that when Christ came, he came to his own first. He said, Don't, go not to the way of the Gentiles, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he came unto his own, to the Jew first. Seventy weeks that he turned upon your people, your city, Judah and Jerusalem. Now, in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit poured out, uh, Paul always went to the Jew first, right through the book of Acts. Or every city where there was a synagogue, he went to the Jew first and gave them the gospel. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 13, and this is the, um, let's see, we want to do this. Uh, no, we'll, we'll come to that. I'll come to that in a moment. Okay, now, after, after, the, uh, after this, and the Jews began to reject the gospel, now they start to turn to the Gentiles. So the gospel goes more particularly so to the Jew first. People say that's never happened. Yes, it did. It happened in the book of Acts. Go through Paul's word to the Jew first, and the Jew first to the synagogue. Then he turns to the Gentiles. All right, now number one, the first thing I want you to put up here in present state, and please wait till I finish. I'll balance it all out before we go to brunch, okay? Present state. Number one, the state of Jewry today is they are under the curse of innocent blood. Uh, doesn't give me any joy to say these things, but they are under the curse of innocent blood. I want you to put down Matthew chapter uh, 27. And I mean, you know, I know the curse affects uh, the whole world because of sin and everything like that. But Matthew chapter 27, and uh, for your notes, you can put uh, verses 24, 25. Matthew 27 and verse 24 and 25. Pilate is standing before for the uh, people, and Pilate said to, to them, What will I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all said to him, Let him be crucified. But the governor said, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could not, uh, he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see you to it. And now they did the worst thing ever. They answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And when you go back to Numbers chapter 36, just put it down as a chapter, you have the laws concerning innocent blood. And uh, it says the land cannot be cleansed uh, of, of uh, innocent blood, but by the blood of him that shed it. So when the Jews said this, this was the worst thing they ever did. They said, his blood be on us and on our children. We think of the tragic history of what's happened to the Jewish uh, nation over the years. So they invoked upon themselves the curse of innocent blood. 
and on their unborn generations, because they said, His blood be on us and on our children. So this is one of the reasons, and I'm not justified, none of us like it, but we've just got to read, these are the facts. They knew the laws of innocent blood. So when they said, His blood be on us and on our children, Pilate said, I'm innocent of this blood of this uh, just person. And even Judas, when he woke up, he said, I betrayed the innocent blood. And so serious was it the Jews, he went and hung himself because he knew the laws concerning innocent blood. So none of us like it, but that's the fact. Now, just to balance that statement out, the only way the curse of innocent blood can be lifted from any in the state of Israel is by accepting the blood. And once they confess their sin and accept the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And so instead of being under the curse of innocent blood, they come under the blessing of the blood. Okay, so just to balance that out. So, okay, number one. All right, next, uh, next uh, thing I want you to put down here is on the state of Israel. They have... Hello. Yes. Uh, they have judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. So they have judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. I'd like you to look at this scripture now where we're going to look at before. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Just bear with me and we'll balance this all out. Acts 13. And uh, put down for your notes verse 46. Acts 13 verse 46. We'll lead, we'll, we'll lead into it, verse 42. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, verse 46 is the climax. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first, circle the word first, to the Jew first. It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Because the prophecy in the 70 weeks ahead of the Messiah came to you first, came unto his own. But seeing you put it from you, and listen to this, judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Very pivotal point, Acts 13. And even though Paul continued even in the following chapters, still to go to the synagogue, he realized they have judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light of the Gentiles, uh, that you should be looked for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard it, they would glad and glorify the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Okay, so number two, present state of Jewry. And I'm sorry, when I was in the Middle East, you know, I ministered for the Messianic Jews. I also ministered for the Arab believers. I had a great time with Arab believers, Messianic Jews. In the middle of time because of some of the things they were trying to sort out here. 80% of the Jews in the Middle East are atheistic. They do not believe in God. They say Moses was a smart Jew who put it over the Egyptians like we did in the Six Day War. That's it. And they say, we don't want any Jehovah. We don't want any temple. We don't want all these sacrifices. We haven't got the meat. We haven't got the money. And all this type of thing. They're, they're saying that. But we don't believe in the Old Testament. So, 
So that'll sort of bring us to the next point here. So that's their present state. There's about 20% uh, uh, Orthodox Jews, which are divided into different groups themselves. And yet these are just facts. See, when I was in the Middle East, uh, it's against the law to preach the gospel to a Jew. You will be ex uh, exported. Yeah, you will be deported. D down, okay. Not export, because I'm not often saying. There's a difference, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, you, you're deported. It's against the law. Unless a Jew asks you a question about the gospel, then you're answering a question. But if you preach, and you know some of the good situations, it says it's against the law. So people forget that. And then a lot of the Christians, Jewish Christians who are there, they've either come from Russia or from different nations, but very, very few. In fact, I don't know any of them. Maybe uh, Jews have been converted to Christ in the country only because of uh, uh, the, the, the law is against it. It's against the law. So you've got to realize these are just facts. I mean, it's firsthand. I know that. Okay. All right, number three, the next uh, scripture I want to give you is that there is a blindness on the state of Israel at the moment. So Romans chapter 11. Okay, so they invoke the curse of innocent blood on themselves. Number two, they judge themselves unworthy of everlasting life. Stop trying try to convert us to Christ. Christianity. Okay, number three, blindness is on the nation. Romans 11 and verse 25. And Paul says, I would not, brethren, you should be ignorant of this uh, mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. So uh, remember, Paul has said in Romans 9, they are not all Israel which are of Israel. So if all Israel are to be saved, and they're not all Israel which are of Israel, what's Paul talking about? So main point here I want you to pick up, number three, is that there is a blindness on the nation. And that is so true, a blindness on the nation. I think I mentioned the other day when I was in the... You know, when, we were in Atlanta just last year. They got hold of this uh, newspaper, and the newspaper says the Jews, a number of the churches got together and said the Jews do not need to be born again. They are already yeah, the covenant people of God. And uh, about five or six or seven churches agreed. This is all headlines in the newspaper, and they took it to the Jewish synagogue in Atlanta, and the Jews were happy. They said, well, want the Christians to get off our back and stop converting us to their uh, Jesus of Nazareth. We are Jews. We're the covenant nation. That's all that matters. Okay, and yet most of them are atheistic. So these are facts. I mean, I got that paper home. All right, number four. Number four, and, and the same chapter. The unbelieving Jews have been cut out of the faith. I want you to put that down. Unbelieving Jews have been cut out of the faith olive tree. Not just the olive tree, because people say, well, the olive tree is the Jewish nation. No, the faith, it's a faith olive tree. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the tap roots, and they were all men of faith. By faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Jacob. So, listen to, put down for your notes here, Romans 11, verses 17 to 24. Romans 11, verse 17 to 24. I've got to move a little bit quickly here, I'm sorry. So, in verse 17, he says, And some of the branches were broken off, uh, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of an olive tree. Now, if the olive tree was natural national Israel, 
then it means every time a Gentile is grafted into the olive tree, he becomes national Israel. It's not talking about that. So he says, do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. But you will say, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Now, verse 20 is the key to the thing. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith, so do not be haughty, but fear, because if God did not spare the natural branches, he didn't use the word national. He may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the uh, goodness and severity of God on those who fail severity, but towards you goodness, if you continue his goodness, otherwise you will be cut off. So, how many see what I'm talking about here? That the olive tree is a faith olive tree. I ask you a question here. It's a faith olive tree, not a national thing. So, the olive tree is symbol of Israel, but it's the true Israel of God. So as long as they believe in Christ, they believe in Jews, stay in the olive tree because uh, it's a faith olive tree. So the only reason they were broken out of the olive tree was because of unbelief. They did not believe in Christ. Gentiles are grafted not into national Israel, but into the faith olive tree by faith. So you've got to make sure we get that right. Faith olive tree, so uh, the present state of Israel is that the unbelieving are broken out and cut, uh, cut off the olive tree, the faith olive tree. All right, number five, present day of Jew, number five. I've dealt with this before, but we'll turn to it. Uh, the Jews, uh, Jerusalem, I'm sorry, Jerusalem is still under the times of the Gentiles. So Jerusalem still under the times of the Gentiles. So Luke chapter 21. And verse uh, 22 and 24, I'll lead into. So Luke 21, verse tw uh, 20, 22 to 24. For these are the, uh, are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Before in AD 70. But now verse 24 in time element. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, house of Judah. Jesus speak, and be led away captive into all nations. We think of the dispersion of the uh, Jewish nation throughout the world. I've got statistics on how many nations have how many thousands of Jews in them. And Jerusalem will be trampled or trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now we'll be looking at the city after, after brunch, okay? All right, so... State of Israel, still under the times of the Gentiles. All right, number six, the final thing that I want to go over to the other side here from Zechariah. Number six, turn over to Hosea. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a statement in a moment. One, one, one. Now, you notice all the scriptures I've given you so far from the New Testament, purposely. Okay, uh, Hosea chapter 5 and verse 15. And this will... Come to me more in a moment. Hosea, or Hosea chapter 5, uh, verse, uh, you put down verse 6 and verse 15. I've underlined it. They shall go with their flocks and with their herds to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. Why? He has withdrawn himself from them. Wow, what a verse. 
They will go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. Why? Verse 15. And God speaking, he says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense. The greatest offense was number one. Blood be on us and on our children. And seek my face in their affliction. They will seek me early. So I want you to pick that up. God has withdrawn from them because of their offense. Now, let's go back and balance this all out now in our last uh, six or seven minutes here. Turn back to Zechariah. Okay, Zechariah chapter 12. All right, now Zechariah chapter 12. Let's pick up some things here. Okay, now I want you to pick up from Zechariah chapter 12 what God says. So this is what I believe. So we've got those six uh, bold present state of Jewry under the curse of innocent blood, judge themselves worthy of, uh, of eternal life. Uh, what was number three? Blindness. Blindness uh, in paths. Number four was what? Unbelief. Uh, uh, yeah, unbelief broken out. Number five was? Yeah, times of Gentile. Number six, uh, when he's withdrawn himself from them. Now, in the prophecy of Zechariah, which I believe, and this is where I believe the situation that brings us way down somewhere near this period of time. I believe it's later than we think, but somewhere near this period of time. Now, I want you to pick up some statements here, and I'm trying, trying to condense so we get back to our schedule here. Um, in chapter 12, put down these statements, and I believe we're living in this period of time. Somewhere here, uh, the just before, the final half of the week, just way down anywhere, and I think this is why it's such a hot, hot issue, and it's going to maintain that way until something happens. So what I'm saying is I believe there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the nation. Okay, chapter 12, verse 4, statement number 1. It says, I will open my eyes upon the house of Judah. Opening in his eyes. Now in the Hosea prophecy, he has withdrawn himself. He said, I'm going to go back to my place until they seek my face. So he's drawn himself, but here he's going to open his eyes upon the house. So instead of God's, God shutting his eyes because he's busy with the Gentiles, saying, yeah, there are people who say, I've shut my eyes, I'm not even looking. Okay, God says, I'm going to open my eyes. Number one. Verse seven, the next thing I want you to pick up, clauses here. In verse seven he says, the Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first. So Judah, Jerusalem, saving the tents of Judah first. And New Testament saving is, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So verse 7, the Lord will save the tents of Judah first. Alright, statement number 3 in verse 10. And, and this is the key to it, I will pour on the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. In other words, there's going to come an outpouring of the spirit. Now, let me sort of bring some of this together quickly here. They were the first nation to receive the outpouring of the spirit under the first coming, and basically as a nation rejected. Since then, God has been visiting the, the Gentiles and pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles. We think of all the outpourings, 
1906-1948, for nations today, untold thousands receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, predominantly Gentile nations. So they were the first, but now God is saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on them. So statement number three I want you to pick up is uh, he pours out the spirit of grace in, in contrast to law. Because you see, there's only two grounds God works on, ground of law, ground of grace. They are still under the law. They're still under the curse of the law. Because anybody who doesn't keep the law under a curse, all that. See? So spirit of grace and supplication, in other words, Prayer, a spirit of intercession is going to hit the nation somewhere. Then, number four, next statement. Under this outpouring of the Spirit, they will look on me whom they have pierced. He was pierced 2,000 years back at the cross, and now they look on him whom they pierced. See, that's opening of the eyes. And then in chapter 11, verse 12 and uh, 13, it says... Uh, who, the one who they sold for piece, 30 pieces of silver. So they look on him whom they pierced, the one they sold for 30 pieces of silver. Statement number five, there will be great bitter, uh, uh, yeah, there will be great mourning because of the only son. So great mourning. Now, you've got your Bible out there if you can. Verses 10 to 12, I want you to see how many times the word mourning is used, and I'll explain who it's used for. Well, um, listen to it. In that day there will be a great mourning. See, once they get their eyes open to their rejected... Oh, I mean, yeah. Once they get their eyes to the rejected Messiah, how many are just going to... This is why we've suffered so much as a nation, because we rejected... The Son of God. What do you think that's going to do? Yeah, hardly. I get emotional. Okay, uh, back to verse 10. I'm sorry. They, they will mourn for him. Emphasis on the word mourn. As one mourneth for his only son. And we're safe to say mourning for an only begotten son. And you only mourn for a son when you realize you've lost him. Of mourning, and this comes with the outpouring of spirit. How many hear what I'm saying here? Yes. And that they will be in bitterness, they will keep themselves. Bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. If only, if only our eyes were blinded, we cut out of the olive tree, we put a curse on ourselves. But now the Holy Spirit's supplication that's what, that's, that's what I believe is going to happen. And all the pressure that's on the state of Israel, they don't know this, but it's already here. Alright, so morning, and then go down to verse 11, and it's just about time. Uh, we'll just have to keep going after lunch, sorry. So verse, uh, verse 11, in that day there will be a great morning in Jerusalem, is the morning of Hadrian women in the valley of Megiddo, Megiddo, so think of the valley of Megiddo, Bathabam again, it's all linked up here. And the land shall mourn, every family part, the family of the house of David part, and there was the family of the house of David their wives are part of the family of the, uh, Levi, and so forth. They're all mourn. Now, let me go to that, and then I've got a couple of other statements uh, that we fit, uh, finish for brunch. Okay, let me take a couple of minutes, because we're late starting. Okay, notice the families that are mentioned here. You'll see what's involved. Number one, the family, or letter A, whatever you have, you know, family of the house of David, that is the kingly family. 
Okay, so the fam this is the great morning that's going to hit the nation when they get their eyes open to their long-rejected Messiah, the rejected Son of God. He came unto his own, his own received him not. Okay, the kingly family. Number two, the family of the house of Nathan, that's the prophetical family. When you go through your genealogies, the prophetical family, I'm not taking time to give you scriptures. Number three, the family of the house of Levi, we know what family that is. The priestly family. And then uh, number four, the family of Shimei, or Simeon, uh, who's the grandson of Levi, also a priestly family. Okay, so all the families, something's going to hit the family, the, hit the Jewish families here. And then uh, number five, you'll notice in verse 14, all the families that remain, every family apart of their wives. So something's going to hit Jewish families here. Okay, let me just give you, so sleep one more minute here. Go back to, so number one, the Lord opens his eyes upon the house of Judah. And number two, the Lord saves the tents of Judah first. Number three, the Lord pours out the spirit of grace and supplications. Number four, Judah looks on him whom they pierce. Number five, Judah mourns in bitterness over the rejected only son. Number six, don't ignore the chapters. Number six, in that day, when? The day when he pours out his spirit of grace and supplication. That day when they look on him and they appears. That day when God opens his eyes upon them. So in that day, when there's morning, in that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. What do we mean? The fountain was opened back here, but they rejected the fountain. But in that day, there is a fountain filled with blood. Then number seven, the last thing, and then we'll have to quit here. In verse six, and one shall say to him, what are these wounds in your hands? And then he will answer, those which I was wounded in the house of my friends. How many see tremendous prophecy there in Zechariah? So what I'm saying here, we have to wrap up here, is that they were the first nation to receive the Messiah, rejected him. There was a godly remnant that stayed in the olive tree. Since that time, when they judged themselves and broke the curse, then God's been visiting the Gentiles, taking out of them a people for his name. But here, somewhere around here, and I believe we're living back here, God putting the pressure on the nation of Israel because he wants to open their eyes. He wants to visit them. And uh, so they were the first nation to receive it, reject it. God has been visiting Gentiles' nations, taking out of the people for his name. They will be the last nation to get it and not have their eyes open. Once the Jew accepts Christ, in Christ is neither Jew nor Gentile, he's grafted into the body of Christ. Hallelujah. How many feel this helped you here? Uh, have we been balanced? Have we been anti Semitic? Anything? No. Just say, this is what the Bible says. So we need to pray. So when people say to me, well, don't talk to the Jew about being born again. Say, no, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. That's it. That's it. Christ is the answer. Okay, I've gone five minutes beyond our time, so have a good brunch. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching. Visit kevinconnor.org for more information.